Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Yeah, good morning, everyone. How are we doing out here? Um, I'm super excited for what we're about to jump into. We are in Numbers chapter 2. Man, I hope, where are my numbers people at? Where are my people that love our spreadsheets? Where are the ones that love to analyze the data, um, looking at all of uh, those different types of things? Um, Because you're going to love this month. Better get your spreadsheets ready because it's nothing but numbers all month. And so... (laughs) um, but a little humor for you, but we're about to dive into chapter two here today. um, And there's a lot of symbolism. Um, So let's pray. Let's see what God has for us this morning uh, as we dive into this. And then um, let's have a great day. Amen. Who's ready to have a great Thursday and and getting ready for the weekend and ready for service this Sunday? Uh, By the way, last Sunday to jump into connect groups, and so if you have any questions on those and you have any other um, or concern or like, wait, oh, my gosh, I haven't joined one yet. Uh, there's still time. Um, and uh, and please go ahead and drop any questions or get a hold of us if you need uh, any assistance with that. But let's pray and let's see what God has for us. Lord, we just love you so much. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. We thank you that we get to gather uh, on this platform. Uh, We thank you that uh, we get to hear your word, that we get to know how much you love us, how much you have uh, instruction for us to to better our lives, to fulfill um, our destiny, calling, and purpose, which is to praise you, follow you, and draw closer to you, Lord. We just, uh, we pray that everyone here gets a nugget, gets a word, gets a uh, a piece of instruction to further enhance their day and draw them closer to you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that your presence be magnified right now, uh, whether they're live right now or they're listening later on. Uh, we just pray for your presence in everyone's hearts, rooms, and places. Um, Lord, I surrender myself to you and that this be your word and not my own. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's dive into it. Uh, there is a I want us, before we dive into this, before I get into all of this, there is one piece of scripture I want us to have from the New Testament to to use as a focus and a lens as we look at chapter two here. And it's Matthew 16, uh, verse 24. If any man will come to me, Let him deny himself and take up your cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up your cross and follow me. I want us to keep that in mind as we read and really see this. And at first it may not uh, see like how, what is that kind of correlation to what we're about to read? 
Uh, but we are going to get into it. And I, I believe God is going to kind of blow some of our minds a little bit with what is going to go on. So let's read. Um, reading out of the New Living Translation, Numbers chapter 2. Here we go. Verse 1. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses and Aaron. When the Israelites set up camp, each tribe will be assigned its own area. The tribal divisions will camp beneath their uh, family banners on all four sides of the tabernacle, but at some distance from it. The divisions of uh, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon are to camp towards the sunrise on the east side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. These are the names of the tribes, their leaders, and the numbers of their registered troops. Judah, uh, Nahasion, son of uh, yeah, excuse me, uh, which numbered 74,600. Issachar, um, Nathan, son of Zuar, which numbered 54,400. And Zebulun, uh, Elab, son of Heron, uh, which numbered 57,400. So the total of all the troops on Judah's side of the camp is 186,400. These three tribes are to lead the way whenever the Israelites travel to a new campsite. Um, the divisions of Reuben, Simeon, and Gad are to camp on the south side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. These are the names of the tribes, their leaders, and the numbers of their registered troops. Reuben, uh, Eliezer, uh, son of uh, Sedur, they numbered 46,500. Simeon, uh, Shalumian, um, son of Zur, I'm going that far, that's it, uh, 59,000. Uh, 300 and Gad, uh, Elisup, uh, son of Duel, uh, 50 or excuse me, 45,650. Uh, so the total of all the troops of, on Reuben's side of the camp uh, is 151,450. These three tribes will be second in line whenever the Israelites travel. Then the tabernacle carried by the Levites will set out from the middle of the camp. All the tribes are to travel in the same order that they camp, each in position under the appropriate family banner. Uh, the divisions of Ephraim, uh, Manasseh, and Benjamin are to camp on the west side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. These are the names of the tribes, their leaders, and the numbers of their registered troops. Uh, Ephraim, Elishim, uh, son of uh, um, Mudid, uh, 40,500. Manasseh, uh, Gamil, son of Pedher, uh, is 32,200. And Benjamin, uh, Adea, son of Gideon, um, is 35,400. So the total of all the troops of Ephron's side of the camp is 108,100. Uh, these three tribes will be third in line whenever the Israelites travel. Uh, the divisions of Dan, Asher, and Nephtala are to camp on the north side of the tabernacle uh, ben, uh, beneath their family banners. These are the names of their tribes, uh, the leaders, and the numbers of their registered troops. Uh, Dan, 
uh, Ahazar, son of Amishadad, uh, is 62,700. Uh, Asher, uh, Pegla, uh, son of Okran, uh, is 41,500. And Nephtala is Era, son of Enion, is 53,400. So the total of all the troops on Dan's side of the camp is 157,600. These three tribes will be last march under uh, their banners whenever the Israelites travel. Uh, in summary, the troops of Israel listed by their families total 603,550. Uh, but as the Lord has had commanded, the Levites were not included in this registration. So the people of Israel did everything as the Lord had commanded Moses. Each clan and family set up camp and marched under their banners exactly as the Lord had instructed them. Amen. Amen. I hope you all are got all of those names right, just like I did. <laughs> okay. And um, and so let's get into it. Wow, that's a lot. How does wait? But Nick, you had us read uh Matthew 16, verse 22. And if uh, anybody's deny himself, uh take up your cross and follow me. What does that have to do with anything? Okay, we are going to get into um, I want to talk about. A couple uh, things here. Um, there is some, when Jesus says that, let him deny himself, right? Intentionality. There's intentionality behind that. Take up your cross, pick up your stuff. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. Pick it up and let's move. And what direction are we moving in? We're moving in the direction that God leads us. Okay, we're moving in the direction that God leads us. So there's a couple, uh, three things I want to talk about: structure, purpose, and focus. Right, not just any focus, but what is the direction of our focus? Uh, and all of this must take intentionality. It must take intentionality to be able to do it properly in the way that God wants us to. But how does that all line up with what we just read? So first off, um, I was thinking about this, and uh, we keep talking about having a Christ-centered life, a Christ-centered life. What is the definition of a Christ-centered life? Um, and it, it really hit me this morning. Um, this is what I, I feel you know, like almost God defined it for me and just really just laid this down early this morning on me. It is a structured life that intentionally, purposefully, and tangibly puts God center and first above all in their life. Right? It's a structured Meaning it's not haphazard, it's not by the winds uh, of the day, it's not uh, by however our feelings are, it is structured. It's That is intentionally, purposefully, and tangibly, tangibly. You can see it, you can feel it, maybe even get to the point where you can taste it and smell it. It's tangible. When it's tangible, not only do you see it, but others do too. Others do too. It's tangibly puts God first and centered in their life. All right. So if we took 
what chapter two is and laid it out in a picture, guess what? You have the tabernacle in the center, and then you have the larger camp of Judah to the east. And we'll talk about why Judah is to the east. And Judah, um, the full camp of Judah has those three uh, specific uh, tribes within them. Um, then you have uh, the other ones to the north, south, and to the west. You have a cross. You have a, a cross laid out made by millions of people. Yes, I know at the end it says 603,000, but that's the number of fighting men that were numbered. Realize all of them have families. So you are estimating within one to three million people in this whole camp. This is massive. This is huge. There is There has to be structure to manage this. There has to be intentionality to manage this. There has to be a, an order to manage this because before this came, it was just a giant, massive gaggle of millions of people around a tent. This is roughly a year. Uh, this, I mean, because uh, the first chapter says a year after Israel's departure from Egypt, um, Right. And chapter two is like right after it. So it's it's right in there, probably 13 months or so um, right after they left Egypt. God is like, hey, all right. And then he um, Moses comes down, got to deal with the golden calf hiccup. Oh, you people and all of this good stuff. And then tells them how to build the tabernacle. Tabernacles built. All right. I gave you the foundation, which is me, which is God. Right. That's what he's saying. I'm giving you the foundation, the the cornerstone, the center of this formation, the tabernacle. Now I need you guys to get structured around me. And so he puts all of these people in like a cross like shape. Um, I'm going to show you basically a. Picture of what this would look like. You see that, uh, and it and you have like, well, you've got equal number of units, but don't forget, if we look at the numbers, Judah, 186,400, they're going to be the largest group of these uh, four major um, camps. And so they're going to be the longest stick on the pole. That gives you that that full what we understand as Christians today, the cross shape, the cross that I typically wear right here. A lot of people wear on around their neck. We see the cross. We see how God is already structuring his people. One, he is center. Instruction for our life comes from the center of our life. God needs to be at the center of our life. We see Judah to the east. Now, why is Judah to the east, right? Okay, in our Western culture, north is predominant in our Western culture. This is not the case in Eastern culture and definitely culture of the uh, of the day at this time. The, the biggest part is that the culture really sees that the east 
is big. East is huge. East is uh, the primary focus uh, if you were to look at the four cardinal directions. The prominent side culturally is the East. Why? Because it was always seen as hope and sustainment. That's where the sun rised. That's where, man, we can English play on words right there. The sun rising from the East. We can uh, just see this, that the sun is coming up each day, fulfilling every day like clockwork. It's hope. Every day, I see the light of hope every morning. The other thing, there's a lot of military, defensive, and offensive structure here as well. All right. There's a lot of military, offensive, and defensive structure. Um, you know, if anybody that's military minded, you're going to understand this and see this. You want, uh, if you want your forces primarily, uh, the larger of that to face towards the east. Why the east? Because if you were the enemy wanting to come up on a camp like this, you need to attack in the morning from the east because you want the sun to your back. You want the sun then rising. You're, who's ever driven to work heading east in the early morning? It's a pain. It's a pain to drop because the sun is shining directly in your eyes you got to put your sun visor down and the sunglasses and driving eastward in the morning and that sun just beaming right in your eye it it's it's not a pleasant drive in the morning right but if you're driving west in the morning the sun is to your back and it's illuminating in front of you you can easily see the direction you're going you can easily see what's coming up ahead of you uh, you can easily uh, not have a problem of the sun getting in your eyes. And so therefore, militarily, you want to attack in the early morning from the east so that the sun then is illuminating on your uh, who you are attacking. And the sun is also helping you because then your enemies are having to or who you're attacking is then therefore facing into the sun as you're and it's hindering their vision to be able to do what they want. So you need more troops on the eastern side to be able to have a more defensive posture, right? The, uh, using uh, time of day and environment to your advantage if you were to attack something like this. So God's already placing defensive posture when they are camped out right here automatically. Um, we also see uh, uh, another thing. We see that one, the Levites were not counted. I know when I come home, you're going to have nice dinner made for me. So right I don't have to cook tonight. In the middle. Right? They were right there in the middle because one, they're the ministers, they're the priests, they're the ones making sure and taking care of the tabernacle, they're the ones doing all of the uh, sacrifices, they're the ones doing all of the maintenance uh, and caring for. Uh, you know, right there in the middle of the tabernacle and caring for all of the items in the tent and everything else. Uh, the word Levi specifically means to join or to adhere to. The word Levi, the name Levi means to uh, join or to adhere to. Why? Where did that come from? Right? Number one, that's the whole point. We see that in the center, Levites were there to 
join or to adhere to, to have the, the be that mediator, to have the people join or adhere to God. They were to help connect God with the people. That's the whole point. They were supposed to be the gorilla glue right there to keep everyone together. Um, but where does this come from? This comes all the way back from Genesis chapter 29, um, verse 29. Is it verse Yeah. No, excuse me, not 29, 34. Um, chapter 29, verse 20, 34. All right, this is Leah. Leah is uh, married off to uh, her husband, and uh, then she became pregnant with a third time and gave birth to her son. He was named Levi. Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. Leah was so desperate for Jacob to see her, to love her, but Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob was, you know, remember he uh, he worked uh, Rachel's father's field for seven years, but then it was like, hey, uh, sorry, but our custom is to give off our older daughter, not our younger daughter first. So you can have Leah and then you need to work my fields another seven years and then you can have Rachel. And so he did so. So for, uh, uh, homie worked, uh, worked for what he wanted, which was great. And we see that. However, Leah felt bad. And so third son, finally, uh, that's the whole point of why she said, I'm going to name him Levi is because I hope my husband will join or adhere to me. We see that that, that is what God is wanting. God's heart is for us to uh, join and adhere to him, to come to him. That's the whole point of the Levites and working in the center and being right there. They're not even accounted for everyone else because their job is to adhere everyone else to God. That's what, uh, so when now in New Testament context, guess what? If you are the leader of the home, you are the priest of the home, you are supposed to adhere your home to God. Men, we are to adhere to join our home to God. Ladies, if you are a, a single mom or any of this as well, you are the leader of your home. You are to adhere your home to God. Amazing what God is doing. But we see this structure. We see all of this purpose. We see uh, all of this going on. We see this uh, defensive structure and offensive structure. How do we see this as well as we see that this is poised? Not only this structure, but then on top of it, moving forward, if they were to move, remember, the uh, at this time, God is there as in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, right? And if that cloud moves, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross-shaped camp. Pick up your stuff. Pick up your family. Pick up everything around you. Pick it up. Get your tent. 
get my tent, get your stuff. Let's go. We're moving. God's moving. I'm moving. Pick up your cross and follow me. We see that God does not change. God does not change. God's still operating as the same person from the Old Testament to the New. It's just in, in a, almost a fresh new way, but it's still our same God. It's still our same God. It is Jesus Christ right here. We see this in the shape, in the form, in so many prophetic ways. And I'm just hitting the surface here. There's so much deeper. We could talk about even just having a cross on her neck and how that even is representing of uh, priestly garments and robes right now. Because what did the priests have back then that was told to wear around over their neck the ephod with the stones of every tribe guess what the cross here is representing every tribe if you even put it sideways where the long end with the camp of judas pointing to the east this is a cross this is still represent you are a priest this is a priestly garment to even be wearing as a cross around your neck because it's representing even from here it's not even just the cross that christ died on for our sins but it's not only that but it is showing that is the same God from yesterday to today and forevermore. Amen. This is so amazingly structured in a beautiful way that God is revealing himself even from the beginning to now to forevermore. But the other bigger thing is that's great, God. What does all this mean? And the bigger part is, is, is God centered in your life? Are you intentionally structuring your life? Are you intentionally measuring and putting the compartments, the camps, the different uh, buckets, the however you want to call it, the... Are you putting that around God or is God just somewhere sprinkled in your buckets? Is are you putting your work life, your family life, your spiritual life, your personal, like just my inner self, uh, you know, my relationships with my friends, my uh, all of these different areas of my life. Are they putting around God or are they just, well, I sprinkle God over them. I just I hope some magical God dust just gets in each of these buckets and transforms it. Or is it God's center and I'm going to put my buckets around God? That, that's, that's a question for it because a lot of us like, oh, no, I want God in my family life. No, is your family on or around God centered first? I want I want God with my friends. Well, no, is is your friendships surrounded and with God centered in it? God is not a magical fairy dust that we just sprinkle in our lives. This is something where these lives need to be on top of the rock, the foundation of our Lord in the center of our lives. Are we the priest that is adhering these parts of our lives to God right here? Are we also posturing ourselves defensively in our lives and offensively in our lives to making sure that we're, we have things facing to the east, knowing when the sun's rising and we have other areas surrounding us that is 
God is centered, giving us commands because we know that the battle is the Lord's. What does that mean? What do you mean the battle is the Lord's? I'm the one living this life. I'm the one fighting every, all the thing. My crazy boss is coming after me and after my job and, and hunting me down. Or, you know, my wife or my husband is just giving me headaches. And everything. what do you mean the battle is the Lord's? Like, I'm the one living this right now. How does this work out? And it's like, guess what? Yes, you are in the trenches. But when we look at history of just regular war and battle, do they talk about private such and such? Or do they say, well, it was General Patton. It was General Eisenhower. It was was General MacArthur. It was was General Norman Schwarzkopf. It was... um, it was this, it was the leader of the battle that they talk about. Is God the leader of your life? Yes, you are in the trenches. Yes, you are the soldier in uh, the trenches there fighting the war. Yes, there was thousands of soldiers fighting under uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf and in uh, Desert Storm, there was thousands of soldiers underneath General Patton. There was thousands of soldiers underneath General MacArthur and Eisenhower and all of these uh, famous historical battles. Uh, But yes, there was thousands of all these soldiers in the trenches, but the battle is named after the head leader. Is God leading the battle that you are in the trenches of? That's why it is the, that God's battle. Remember, we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but it is against principalities. God knows the real enemy. Your enemy is not your uh, sadistic boss, him or her, that is just going after you or doing whatever. The battle is not necessarily your husband or wife that you're having arguments and issues with. The battle is not with your disobedient kids that keep growing up, even though you tell them not to grow up and they keep doing it anyway. Like your the battle is not against the I'm getting kids hopefully grow up. We don't want them not to really. <laughs> But um, the battle's not really against that. It's about all of these demonic principalities that are manipulating and being part of that. Yes, we have a sinful fleshly desire, but guess what? It's also being used and motivated and influenced by the enemy around us. Do we have defensive and offensive structure and posture centered around God in our lives so that God is the general? that God is the commander, that God is the one calling the shots and winning the battle that we're in the trenches with. We see that even when they move, so they're out of this, I'll I'll get rid of this um, picture here, but um, when they moved, there was a specific order, right? Judah was first, Judah moved out. And if you go Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, that's one, two, three. So that's the order. And then it went into uh, Reuben, um, Simeon, and Gad, right? That order, four, five, six. I love this. Then that's when the Levites picked up the tabernacle and they moved in the middle, number seven. God is a God of numbers. Anybody that tells you we don't even want to talk about numbers, I'm going to tell you right now, they're not a real, they're not fully understanding God in the Bible. 
the number seven is the seven is the number of completion. God is sinners. God is the one without God in the center of our life. We are not complete. Without God in the center of our lives, in the center of our formation, in the center of our walk, in the center of our tents, in the center of where we're staying and where we're going. If God is not center, we are not complete. We are without number seven in the center of our lives. We are not complete. You may think you are, you may think whatever it is, but if God is not centered in your life, we are not complete. This gaggle of millions of people would just remained a wild gaggle in the wilderness. I mean, heck, they'd still just be in Egypt, actually. They, would, they wouldn't have gone anywhere. Without God centered in our lives, we are not complete. I mean, some of you may be even saying, like, well, I, I, I'm having a hard time just putting my life together. I'm having a hard time just finding a way to structure my life and get more intentionality and get more purpose out of it and focus with what's going on. It starts with the foundation of God. You put God's center. You pick up the bag of concrete. And you read the instructions on the back. You read his instruction manual for you. And the foundation will get poured. And the foundation will give you the form for the structure of your life. When we put God's center, we know how the structure and the building plan of our life should go. But without this structure, without this formation, without the instruction manual to show us how to do it. And guess what? Hey, hey guys, I know life is like Ikea. We got to put it together. But you need to read the instruction manual. You can't, you, you can't come. Hey, you you got to put it together and you have to read the Ikea instruction manual to put your life together. For anybody that's not picking it up, it's called the Bible. <laughs> but this is what we have to do. We see this over and over. God gives us that foundation. If he's the foundation, like right now, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting on a house to get built. Guess what? The overall layout of the house is dictated by the foundation that is poured. Let me say that again. The layout, the structure of the house the wall, where the walls are going to go, where the bathroom sits, where the living room is, where the kitchen is going to go, where all the plumbing gets done. All of that is dictated by the pouring and the solidification of the foundation of the home first, of the foundation of this area. Of all of these tents, the, the tabernacle had to be built first before even giving them the organization of where everyone else goes. The foundation had to be poured. Is your foundation poured? 
Do you have structure? Is God the focus of that structure? Is God where we're at? Because if we don't have structure, then guess what? We don't really understand our purpose. And we and we can have focus, but where's the direction of our focus? We're, like, if we don't have that, then our intentionality isn't on point. We're not centered. We're not grounded. We're, we don't, we're not complete. And even in movement, we need to have our leader centered in our lives to show us where to go. You know, for me, for a military-minded individual with dad did 27 years and 13 myself, just I just I'm I'm blown away by seeing how much God was laying the the offensive and defensive structure that even today, today our military tactics are even founded on. Today I see so much of all of the military doctrine of uh, formations of uh, providing security and structure and organization and offensive and defensive movements and, and all of this. And, and looking back on it, oh my goodness, it is, this is, this is my military doctrine right here. This is how I, I fight my battles. This is how I win the war. This is how my soul is saved. And this is how I'm centered in my life. This is why we have to have this intimate daily sitting down with our head general. So we know the orders for the day. So we know the focus, the, not only just the focus, but the direction of our focus every day. So I pray that as much as we love to get on soap here as well, and, and uh, this is a great a tool, I pray that every one of us has an intentional time to center God today. Spend some personal time with the Lord today. Spend some time where it's not my voice talking to you, but you're listening to God, that he is centered in your life. I can't tell you the direction of your life, but God can. I can't tell you how to structure your life, but God will. So let's pray. And I pray that you all have a great day. I pray that you take something from this and, uh, and maybe it, it's helped you find those areas that don't have much structure and that we pray that God provides that structure for you. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We just thank you to know that you're a God of order. You're a God that uh, is not just haphazard. You're not a God that um, just goes by the uh, the winds of change and the and different feelings. That, that But you are centered. You are our rock. You are our foundation. You are uh, what gives us the structure of our lives and not just our feelings and not just all these other uh, things and situations that are so temporary. But you are never changing and eternal. Lord, may we focus on you. May we focus on your uh, instruction manual for our lives. May you, may we focus on what you have for us. 
not what our flesh wants, not what our um, desires and personal wants are. May we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, pick up our stuff, pick up whatever it is in our lives that we need to keep with us and move on to follow you. May you be centered in our lives. Lord, I just pray a blessing over everybody on this call, everybody that is listening later on as well. Uh, I just pray that you continue to work in their lives, give them guidance and wisdom and discernment to know what is best for them, for their purpose that you've given them. Lord, I just thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great one. Uh, see you all this weekend. Again, it's the last weekend to jump into those um, uh, winter spring uh, connect groups for this semester. Um, and so if you have any questions, don't uh, hesitate to get a hold of us or anybody that is leading those groups. We'd love to help you get connected, uh, stay focused, and uh, let's have a great winter spring connect group semester. Love you guys. Take care. God bless. See you all later.